Oh, I'm getting getting that stupid clicking. Well, clickety clack. Quit using your mouse. No, it's that repeating like. You got a snake in your computer. There we go. I just thought about it mentally. The image is amazing. Hey, I'm Joe. I'm Ken. I'm Andrew. And I'm Dan. We're the Rewinders Podcast, rewinding movies to see if they hold up. And this time, we chased down the movie with a sandal or a shoe. But it was the movie Life of Brian. Now, I'm pretty sure none of us saw this when it came out. Correct. Nope. This is one that was always on like the video shelves, and I always thought about renting it but never did. And then just opted for uh, you know, Holy Grail instead. First time I saw this was in high school, and I forgot why we only watched it once. Well, Monty Python was a like staple in my group of my group of high school like high school mates. We hang out. Let's just watch Monty Python or have it on in the background. It was always on, and there's always quotes for it. And then somebody else was like, "Well, let's try Life of Brian," and we're like, "Yeah, cool, let's do that." And then we watched it, and we're just like, "Let's never watch this movie ever again." Ha ha! Jokes on you. We made you. You did. Uh, same thing here. <laughs> Holy Grail specifically was the uh, movie Monty Python movie of choice. It's just ludicrous. It's fun for all the way around. Me and my friends. It's it's so good. But I've also mentioned before that it feels so long when you're watching it, just because it's one gaff after another. It's the same it thing going on here. Yeah. Tried renting this movie back in the day when I was growing up and there were uh, younger people in the house and uh, as soon as there was a big old penis on the screen, the parents got all up in arms and <laughs> turned off the TV. I almost made it to the end when I was younger and I was uh, I was fairly enjoying the movie at the time. I'm, I'm not... In, I, I get why I was enjoying the movie at the time. I find a lot of it kind of funny, but it's, it's hard to make that adjustment over the last few years given just what kind of humor that they think that they were into at the time. Anyway... How about you, Joe? When I was younger, like, I don't know if it was single digits, something like that. Maybe, maybe into double digits. My parents would watch Monty Python on PBS all the time. And that was very enjoyable, and I enjoyed watching it with them. So later on, it's, it becomes confusing why then they never watched Monty Python movies. Now, I believe my father did watch A Fish Called Wanda, but that's... <laughs> Neither here nor there. The movie doesn't get enough credit. Is that considered a Monty Python movie? Well, sort of. It's not labeled Monty Python's A Fish Called Wanda, but it's basically... Yeah, I'd stand by that. It's the closest thing to... (laughs) It's been a minute, and it might be worth it to watch that show for this, but I don't really remember it being too Monty Python-esque. A bit whimsical, but... It's about who made the movie, not so much how the product ended up. Wow, I am feel like I'm struggling to say a full coherent sentence there. <laughs> no, but I got you. And if I knew anything about anything else, I could be like, oh, yeah, it's like when uh, Metallica went from Ride the Lightning to the Black Album. They, they definitely was the same band, didn't have the same feel. It's like Guns N' Roses waiting for over a decade for Chinese democracy. And it being a piece of shit. <laughs> hey, it had like one good song. <laughs> <laughs> there we go perfect or it's like waiting for almost actually no it's like waiting over a, no not over a decade almost a decade for a new daft punk album and then then they say goodbye, they say goodbye. 
Just wait till I start doing the uh, casino circuit. Oh, no. No, no, no. <laughs> Daft Punk doing a casino casino circuit would be in Europe. I would do it. I would I would buy a plane ticket and fly to Europe to see them play in a casino. Because I'm thinking of them playing in, like, Morocco. I'm talking about, like, how the Eagles used to do the <laughs> casino circuit around here. Wolf. Why do that when you could do the county fairs? Oh, God. That's when you've really hit your low. As a person who's never had a chance to play at... <laughs> <laughs> oh, true, true, true. Um, I can't really say that that's a low. They just keep on going. It's something they love doing. If you sell out arenas and then you want to keep on playing and you can do so at fairs, awesome. Or, or truck stop bathroom. <laughs> I, I'm really wondering where which which one would be uh, considered the lower, the casino circuit or the, the fairs. You get paid a lot for casinos. Do you? Uh, look at Celine Dion. And That's different. That is Barney the Vegas Spears. casino. We're not talking Vegas casino. We're talking about Wisconsin casinos. Oh, <laughs> oh no! I'm not. I'm not talking about Vegas shows. Vegas shows are a different thing altogether. I, if, if I'm talking Vegas, I'm talking Vegas shows, not casino shows. Well, the Red Elvises play in Wisconsin at casinos all the time. Apparently, yeah. What is that one band that everybody knows of but nobody really listens to? Oh, Vic Ferrari. You mean White Snake? <laughs> They are a wonderful band. They played at my they played at my college once when I was still going to when I was still going to Fox. Dan, you're a college. Mm, okay. So college of college of Monty Python films. I in terms of the films versus the show, like you're saying, Joe, I I've only really ever seen two, and I feel bad for saying that out loud. I, I've saw obviously you know Holy Grail's up there, but then. Uh, I've seen bits and pieces of the Meaning of Life, which I confused and was excited for this movie, and I kept on waiting for the scene with the fat man who blows up from the wafer thin mint, but it never came. And then I realized, oh no, that's in a different movie. Yeah, that's a completely <laughs> different movie. That that movie is, if I remember right, really funny. I've only watched it once or twice, so not nearly as many times as uh, Holy Grail, but. I own Holy Grail, so it's a lot easier to watch that one over and over again. True, same here, same here. <laughs> I'm in the, in the same boat with... I, I have good memories of The Meaning of Life and Holy Grail. They're fun movies, and I have such a dislike for the life of Brian that I, like, shoved all of the bad memories down, <laughs> and watching it remind like i'm like yeah, this is kind of funny and then and then the the kind of funny is immediately replaced with awful i don't have a lot of good things to talk about with this movie so uh. so i'm not gonna go with awful because there were a lot of things that i was laughing at in this movie it started off pretty strong with bringing back the monty P the holy grail uh you know their stereotypical uh old crone type person that voice that always makes me laugh i love that yes that is one massive positive i have to give this film is whenever oh my god i wish i knew who that was that's eric I, I don't know the names that's eric, eric? okay yeah popping in after the fact to say it was terry jones every time he does that screeching ass voice it makes me just laugh my ass off it's the best thing about any monty python thing so even with all the detractors anytime i heard that damn voice breaking through a crowd it just instantly made me crack a smile yeah it's it's one of the their staple characters from like there's a penguin on the tv <laughs> <laughs> see it doesn't even have to be him doing it. It's just a great voice. It's a really good gimmick. It is, it is. It's, it's standard fare for anything Monty Python. And and that was one of the first things that stuck out to me watching it is it, I did get the Monty Python feel and I got the, the Holy Grail feel right in the very beginning with the three wise men coming in. Just the whole speech about not not voting for a monarch in, in Monty Python with the field worker. <laughs> that, yeah. that whole speech. Yeah. Like, like right away I was like, yes, okay, this is pretty funny. Straight woman lying in, lying in lakes. 
handing out swords is not <laughs> Dis- a distributing, distributing swords. Watery tarts. Yeah, watery tarts. Watery tarts. <laughs> I can't. It took me so long save to it. understand. If we're what ever going to cover Holy Grail, <laughs> save it. Watery tarts. It's my favorite. <sighs> but ultimately, this movie suffers a lot from what movies that go from being a short to a long. They end up just taking a bunch of uh, shorts and shoving them all together to yeah. try to make it into a long. So they kind of have to thematic it into a way. There's going to be comparisons. It's hard to not get the elephant out of the room It's or discuss the elephant in the room. It's uh, following Monty Python, the Holy Grail. I think that's what did this film in for me. I was expecting after Monty Python, the Holy Grail, this to be like Monty Python, the Holy Grail, which in a lot of ways it is, but in a, in a bunch of ways it isn't. It's not exactly the same style. It's not exactly the same pacing. I think that's what detracted for me because of my own preconceived notions of what this movie would be like. It didn't pay off the way that I expected it to. And that's on me. I think part of that, too, is the source materials being satirized. Yeah. So with Holy Grail, they're satirizing something that is an old tale. Fantasy. That everyone kind of knows a little bit about. And it's fantasy and it's stuff like that. And there's so much you can do with that world. And then shifting that to a Middle Eastern... Religious story. I almost said something I probably shouldn't have. And uh, satirizing religion is hard sometimes. And then satirizing the uh, Bible as well is because that's part of what they're doing Mm -hmm. as well in there and society around that time. The satire for yeah Arthurian is easier to ingest, I think, than it is to satirize. Biblical times, biblical location. You can, you can, if you avoid the whole Galilean story. Like you could, you could do things set in biblical times. Like hell, you could focus a hell of a lot more on the Romans than you could on, you know, Judea. I, I know we have a format. I'm trying to not say things until we get to that portion of the format. But oh, I'm, I'm so, I'm so twisted right now. <laughs> I really want to uh, just jump right on the uh, the opening theme song. Yes, which let's was do that. so James Bond. <laughs> oh yes, it, it gave the James Bond feels. I was laughing pretty good. I loved watching all the poor unfortunate souls being crushed and fall to their deaths. It was great. Classic Terry Gilliam. It just took me so far out of it. It was so nope. weird. I, that's one thing that I love. I love Terry's art art style. I love his his illustrations. They always make everything funny. So right away, I was happy yes. with that at least. That and the words are great for the song. <laughs> yes. <laughs> His name is Brian. He's got fingers and hands <laughs> and arms. I'm trying to think of was it the was it the Wall the Pink Floyd album movie that had this very similar art style? Yes, and it was disturbing. Oh yeah, as like like the Walking hell. Judges, the butts and stuff. Yeah, and the flower sex. It was a weird movie, and I do not want to go back and watch it. Oh, you need you need you need no we you need recreational drugs. So we had just got to wait for the governor to get that that whole thing taken care of, and a couple of dispensaries to show up. It'll be good, I would assume. Well, that's going to be like. 20 to 50 years for wisconsin oh i mean (sighs) governor's got a thing out there for making it legal yeah but the gerrymandered legislature made sure that they squished his powers so i know my parents continuously complain about him i'm like he can't literally do anything imagine having a job where the people above you say anything you try to do don't just sit in that chair until you're done (laughs) it's like 
What can you do? Anyway, we're not we're not a pu- no, political we're not. podcast. No, we're here, not. So. I expect this fully to be on the cutting room floor. <laughs> nope. No. Now that you said something, you've doomed us. Doomed. All right. So so are we on things we like with the movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're on things we like. There's there's yeah. a lot to like. I mean, I. Oh, actually, before we jump into that, if you have not seen Life of Brian, basically it's a satirization of a person who has a normal life in biblical times who gets raised up to the level of messiah accidentally and is put on who's crucified also kind of accidentally and then forgotten very quickly yeah the fall off in this movie is shocking <laughs> i know when i got to the end i was like wait a minute that's that's it, it. oh that, that, that is, is it. it yep they left the movie like they started it with a weird song yes yes <laughs> that that song even for as much as i i do not like this movie that song very often gets stuck in my head especially when i'm having a shitty day yes also that ending is pretty well known and pretty notorious i mean people even if they don't like this movie that ending is still one of the funniest damn things that i think i've seen probably one of the funniest things in the movie yes yes minus you know the various sight gags yeah the sight gags like like the donkey the lady carrying the donkey over back that that's like the lady beating a cat against a uh, a pole and <laughs> monty python <laughs> and the holy grail but... i know we're not talking about it yet but a lot of cat abuse in that movie Oh, for sure. <laughs> my second favorite moment in this film, something that really brought a smile to my face, is when when Brian's trying to get away from from the uh, zealots and and he hides in the hole with the random with the, with the random guy who's been uh, took a vow of silence. Yes, oh, vow right. of silence for for how many ever years? Eighteen that years. That whole scene. Yes, eighteen years. That whole scene was hysterical to me, and it brought a smile to my face. I love the acting. I love the silliness. I love the silliness of the banter between the crowd and the, the crazy guy. Just everything involved. All of it. Watching him crazily dance out of the hole with, with a beard wrapped around his crotch. Just completely stark naked. Flailing his arms wildly. For a hot minute, I thought that was supposed to be Jesus uh, being in the desert. You know, he did that. Go oh, around sure, in the sure. desert for however many years or days or whatever it is. And I didn't need it to be true. I didn't need them to go there. I just needed <laughs> I just the idea that it could be Jesus there. Kind of made me laugh. For some reason, I thought there was a lot more of Brian crossing paths with Jesus, like running in parallel <laughs> lives. I thought that I thought there was more instances of him actually being like, "Oh, look!" Then they cross paths, type things. But no, yeah, it's just that one that one time on the hill. The Greeks will inherit the earth. Oh, the meek. Yeah, that makes a lot. <laughs> that more makes sense. a lot more sense <laughs> after he gets after they're all being super aggro. The meek have had it really hard lately. <laughs> <laughs> There, there are plenty of good things to laugh at this. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's a bunch in the in, in the first like third of the movie. There's a lot of good, funny things that like I laughed about and had a good time with. And we're gonna burn through all of that real quick. I don't know about that. There's the Romans. I think you're trying to get there. Yeah, the uh, Romans. The, uh, the Romans going in for the search for the search for the house. That oh, for the search too. I was yeah. crackling so much up with John Cleese calling the guy weirdo and a sicko and things like that. I loved that. And the fact that, you know, you have, what, 20 troops marching in and they can't find anybody hanging out behind curtains and shit. It's this classic Python silliness, and I loved it. Yeah, and about as many people as they could fit into the house were the ones that were going in there and searching. (laughs) And they found a spoon. They found a spoon out of everything. (laughs) Yes, good. See, that's the kind of shit I love. That's that's hysterical. I love that. The the breaking down of Latin grammatics? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. (laughs) 
that was funny too. And the morning after, he uh, was like, yeah, I finally did it. I did a good job. And you look at the front of the building, there's just giant letters painted all across. Really artfully well done in that scene. It was mm-hmm. great. It was very satisfying to look at the front of that building. And he steps back, proud of his work, looks over at the soldiers who hadn't been involved in the conjugation lessons, and then he realizes he messed up and starts running off. I mean, the beard haggling at the shop, things like that, like refusing to haggle for pricing. That That's funny. <laughs> I don't want to haggle. <laughs> yeah. yep. What's wrong with this gourd? And then continuing the haggling with, uh, with the gourd, yeah. Yeah, what's wrong with it? Nothing, just take it. That stuff is funny. I love that. Absolutely love it. I like the uh, stoning only happens with women in beards. Yep, yep. Either they all know it or they're just <laughs> oblivious. Biggest Dickus is probably one of the more well-known scenes because... Biggest Dickus, yes. Dick jokes. His crazy speech impediment. I really like the ex-leper scene this time around. I never really gave that scene much of a thought before. <laughs> But I really like the idea of a guy who wasn't asked if he wanted to be healed by Jesus, but was just healed of his leprosy. And he's like, damn it, now I'm out of work. Yes, yes. What am I supposed to do now? That is actually the scene that stuck with me from the first time watching it was the ex-leper scene. When it came up, I was like, yes. And I don't know. It's just, yeah, that it really stuck with me as more of a, uh, huh. Like a actual like deep thought type move moment where like, oh man, he was just out there curing people, never actually Yeah. It was between that <laughs> it was between that and the scene I was talking about uh earlier, where things finally start to come to a head and it just shows the silliness and brashness of it all, of people misinterpreting symbols, people misinterpreting miracles, and, and just the quickness of, you know, he didn't speak a word until he came along and they're like, Oh, it's a miracle and then back and forth, back and forth with people just bringing crap up left and right. Everything being misinterpreted. I was laughing my ass off at those scenes because that's exactly what I was waiting for. And I think that's the hard part for me, Dan, is I was the exact opposite. The beginning of the film didn't do much for me and that's when I was really bored. But then when the ludicrousy of, of organized religion started coming out in the sandal scene onward... That's when I was fully invested, and that's when I was having belly laughs. What was the sandal scene? The sandal scene where he goes running off from the crowd, and they, they find his sandal, and then they bicker, they bicker in between each other about what the significance of the sandal means. Oh, God. Okay, so yeah, that was pretty far into the movie. Yes. And if it's a shoe or a sandal. It took that long for me, because I, I'm not a very religious person, and I, I, I'm not involved in organized religion in any way shape or form so that scene for me is kind of what i thought the movie would be entirely about so when it got to that scene it was like full engines roaring and it was just me laughing my ass off because it's exactly what i was i was waiting for because they're they're pointing out the ludicrousy of it all they're pointing out the silliness of it all they're pointing out the fact that you know somebody can point at a bush and say this and somebody else thinks it's something different it's it's all over the place are you ready for me to bring this around to modern day? I'm afraid. I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to eat my junipers? Because that's just, don't eat my junipers. Those are mine. <laughs> <laughs> so the scene before the sandal becomes a, a thing, he falls on and like kicks some guy who's preaching on one of those preach stands. Yeah. And there's a group of people that are just waiting and watching all of the people saying their stuff, whatever they're preaching about. So Brian falls into one of those spots and they just look at him and they're like, well, what's your stick, man? What? So Brian starts preaching about birds and they're like, ah, no, shut up, bore, boo. And then he starts talking, preaching about flowers and they're just like, no, no. 
and then he shifts to whatever he says next, and they have no clue what he's saying. And they lose their minds Because over, he yeah. keeps talking in circles. And then that's the thing. It's when he's talking about, like, analogies that kind of make sense. They're like, no, 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 no. But when he gets lost in thought and starts having this circle logic, they start latching onto any and everything to find meaning in the circular pattern of his speech. And then claim that he is a messiah then pretty much after that. Now let's take a look at today (laughs) with QAnon. Who just goes out there and just spits BS, Mm -hmm. and then people just find the logic for the BS, and then claim this person knows everything. Uh How dare you, Joe? Those are very well thought out theories. Oh no, I I watched a I watched a thing, and and two it was it was a group of people who were involved, didn't realize they were involved, and left. And some of the theories were just crackpot lunacy. Like they honestly believe that uh, Joe Biden isn't a real person. And that he's wearing, it's it's something wearing a mask, because if you look closely when he talks, like his lips don't match when, with, with what he says. So that's one of the theories. Another theory was that, that Trump was apparently going to become inaugurated yesterday. <laughs> that this whole thing has been fake because it's always been prophesized because they went back to some previous year's inauguration date. And said that that was the actual inauguration date. So all this up to this point's been just a joke. But don't forget the the, <laughs> like uh, the so calendar change. Years. So it's not it's not March fourth of this year. We got two more years to go. Oh, okay. Anyway, it it just goes <laughs> to show that when you want to believe in something, mm-hmm. you can latch on to anything and make something out of it. And that was a really great satire statement in this movie about, in this case, organized religion. Yes. Blah, 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 blah. We're standing on the precipice of, a, of a, a very deep hole that we should not go down in a, I know, in a, in a, in a lighthearted, <laughs> fun movie review podcast. <laughs> let's, let's not ruin that. I know it's hard because this movie's really difficult not to bring stuff like that up or talk about it. It's really hard to not because that's the point of this movie. It, it's just, it really uh, does seem the point. Oh yeah, it's also probably just the point to you know have fun and yeah. they're like, oh well, how can we make fun of this thing? I don't know if it's intentional, but they even talk about transgender people yes. in this film. Yes, they do. Saw. In 1979. Because mm-hmm, there's that scene where Eric Idle wants to, wants to become a woman, and he wants his rights to have a baby protected, even though he can't have a baby. And <laughs> like, it's not the greatest representation. No, it's a terrible representation. But they're making the conversation. See, now, this is kind of straddling the line, getting into the, the fence of the next segment. But that's where I was somewhat disappointed with this because this, going into this, knowing not really anything about it, I expected it to kind of be the blazing, what Blazing Saddles is for racism and, and, and parodying that. I expected this to be the same thing for religion. And I think that's why I was so out of it until it actually started really getting into the meat of that towards the end of the film, like we discussed. So for me, that's, that's kind of segueing into things I don't like, I guess, just because it wasn't what I expected it to be based off of what I thought it was going, what I was going into it with. I can understand that. Let's, I mean, there's always fun stuff to talk about for Monty Python movies. We could probably pick out all the things that we really like. So let's move to something that... Making fun of Murr? ...is more difficult. <laughs> it's not making fun of Murr. It's actually pointing out a very real thing, which is... Like, what the hell is Who the hell, hell knows what Murr actually is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, even that. It's an ointment. Okay. Bomb. Bomb. No, uh, oh. Oh. 
Cool. Oh, yeah, a bomb. A bomb. It's a bomb? <laughs> Why are you giving a baby a bomb? <laughs> you can keep the mat. Oh, God. That, that whole opening scene just had me in stitches. I love that. I love them coming back in and taking their gifts back. I wish the movie would have kept that feeling. Exactly. The biggest thing that I felt, and, and Nicole said the same thing watching it, because she was excited to see it, too, because... She loves Holy Grail, but it was just boring. And I, I understand that there's a lot of history to go through, and there's a lot of things to go through to set everything up. And that is primarily stuff that I was bored of growing up as a kid, being told constantly all all, the, all these uh, stories and all the psalms and everything. But it's just ah, it, maybe it is the mystical sense of you know King Arthur and his knights and everything else versus I, I don't know. It, it's just the history in this film. It was boring, and that made it so hard for me to stay engaged, except for the silly bits here and there, basically leading a breadcrumb trail to the juicy tidbits at the end that I was waiting for. I actually don't remember when I fell asleep. <laughs> when did when did I when did I wake back Most up? Most of us don't, Dan. We don't register the exact. Well, I'm time trying to remember like what's like. I'm trying to remember what scene I remember last before waking up. Like for me, it was right before he jumped out the window and or fell from the window and landed on top of the guy and, and started taking over. Because then when I started watching that this morning, I was fully engaged and, and laughing hysterically. But it was up to that point sometime I, I fell asleep. I, I, I woke up for Brian getting crucified and the scene leading up to the end. But I don't remember the last thing before that. I think it's because I had been I had gotten so I had been pulled so far out of this movie that I wasn't paying attention to it at all. I did not like the aliens. I remember the aliens. That part that was so was weird. so jarring. I loved it, though. I loved it. That was when I started cackling and belly laughing because I'm just like, what in the actual fuck is going on? This is, oh my god, this is amazing. And then it was back down. I, I get the whole point <laughs> of, here's something completely different. I get that. Mm -hmm. But we could have saved some time. <laughs> we could have just shoveled that out of the way and maybe used that for a full movie. Maybe they could have had a silly aliens Monty Python movie. You almost feel like they were sitting in the writer's room. They're like, all right, we have to get him out of this we situation. Need, we need a transition. Let's just do something weird. And so we have aliens pick him up and drop him on the outside of town. Perfect. Well, not even the outside of town, just <laughs> a couple blocks over a few feet away. <laughs> It is such a bizarre thing to happen in a movie, and it happened, and I was confused the entire time, and as soon as he crashed down, stands up, and the guy's like, oh, lucky? You're like, wait, what? <laughs> I was trying to figure out what the guy what the guy thought he was being lucky about. Like, was he lucky because he survived a crash, or because he got to hang out with aliens, or because... And then he starts getting chased by uh, Romans again, you're like, oh, wait, nope, no time to think about that anymore. It was just... <laughs> Such a bizarre interlude, and it's it's uh I guess that's kind of a uh, Monty Python esque type thing. It's just like now for something completely different. And I think uh, someone else mentioned it before, but it's not really a story. It's more of a series of sketches stitched together to resemble a story. Yeah. Yep. That I I put in the and eh, it's not so great category. Sure, but then you get the Judeas the. Judea Christian, the Judea. The People's Front of, Judea, Judea. of Judea. It's not the Judean and People's like Front. They're, 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 they're that's one the, man. Yep. It's just the one guy over there. That's the popular Judean <laughs> group or front. And then there's the group that commits suicide. Great. That showed them. In front of 140 people who just got crucified and had already been forgotten about. Yeah, I'm with the fact that the, the story, and I'm putting huge air quotes up here, 
really does kick off once we get into the section that Andy talked about liking. That is a story now. Yeah. Because it's Brian from here to the end and what happens to him. Before that, he's part of sketches of life in Judea. And that's, yeah, that's I mean, what the beginning is. The beginning is just he's around, okay? Well, he's a baby in, in Jesus' story. He's a, he's a sidebar. And then it comes on, and he's a sidebar at Jesus at the uh, doing the fish and loaves or whatever it was he was doing at that time. And the meek inherit the earth. He's just a sidebar, and like he's not even involved in the fight. He's like, oh, we have to go to a stoning now. So then they go to a stoning, and he's just a sidebar, like not even a character in that. Because like he's a side, he's a side story in half the in the first half of the movie. I was like, I got to about that far. I was like, has Brian even been in this movie yet? Oh, right, right, right. He's right there and there. But, like, yeah. It was it was weird that they had the life of Brian, and it's just like, this is, he's a side, a side story in his own story. And that's, I think, what they were going for, is that he was so average of a person. He was absolutely nothing special, but then got raised to the level of Messiah by people who misinterpreted everything. Which is I think that's kind of part amazing. of the point. It was a weird thing to notice, and as we're sitting here analyzing, it's like, yeah, that's actually kind of genius right there, but also, it's really weird to see in a movie. I like it. And then you don't have to have your main character do anything that might make uh, him unlikable for the rest of the movie. He's just there. He's watching the fight. You don't have to take a side (laughs) on the fight on either of them. He's just there. Even between the two activist groups, he doesn't do anything, and they murder each other, and he's left behind. (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah and he goes to jail and he's lucky because he's not shackled to the wall upside down he gets to be crucified that's not so bad what would i give to be crucified which is a really funny gag like everyone's like yeah crucifixion it's not so bad and all the room's like but it's it's terrible we you know what it is right like yeah yeah there's worse there's two days of starving and hanging and like yeah what i would give to be spit in the face that doesn't sound so bad right about now (laughs) was it jailer's pet (laughs) (laughs) so ultimately if we're talking about things we don't like there's a lot of racist and phobic jokes in this movie that i just like it didn't age well in that way there's this string of jewish slurs that they like just the anti-semitism is palpable it's off the chain in this movie Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and at one point you would probably laugh at him uh Saying all those uh, slanders, I, I don't know how to say slanders, racist uh, names about a Jewish person. However, we've come come long ways as a people where that's like, this is less funny and more awkward at this point. But I feel like given the time, that's the point. The point is satire to get people to understand that these, these terms and, and the way that they're saying them is absolutely stupid and ludicrous. It's the same thing with Blazing Saddles. You don't go back and watch Blazing Saddles now and complain about the, the epic racism because that was the entire point that Mel Brooks was trying to make. But Blazing Saddles was a good movie. <laughs> it was a very that. good movie. I haven't movie. seen it. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if I get the feeling that that was trying to be satirized here. I feel like they were trying to throw it in there. And maybe it's just it's my misinterpretation of the whole scene. I felt like they were throwing it in there as a supposed to be throwaway joke. Yeah, I don't I don't know because I can see it both ways. It makes me feel like a lot of the jokes were just like, you know what? We're we're making a movie. It's going to be rated R. Let's just lay it on. Who cares about filters? Let's bring the penis. Just one penis. <laughs> Can't have more than one penis. That's which <laughs> that's ridiculous. Interesting behind the scenes on that. Uh, apparently when uh, Chapman went to the window to to expose himself, 
uh, they, they had an issue with him because he wasn't circumcised. And they said, the problem is, is you, you look like you're not Jewish. So they, uh, he, he used a rubber band for that scene. Acting. Oh, oh, oh my. Acting. Oh. <laughs> I heard, I heard all over. Like my, 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 my thoughts were coming out of my face and then you made that. Oh boy. I need a minute. <laughs> I always look up interesting facts beforehand. That was that was one that stuck out. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. I appreciate I appreciate that interesting fact a lot. That's really good. Another interesting one is: Did you know that the film was actually financed by George Harrison? What the Beatle? The Beatle? Yes. Huh. Apparently, right huh. bef- like right before they were planning on filming, uh, apparently the the financer backed out because of the the obvious tone of the movie and and not thinking it would turn a profit. So knowing that George Harrison was a huge Monty Python fan, they talked to him and he liked the script so much he put forth a, it was like three or four million dollars towards it. George, George, did you <laughs> did you actually read yeah. this script, George? Because get that kind of money and somebody brought me a script like this and I read it, I'd be like, you know what? Let's um let's work on the content just just a smidge. Just a, just a smidgen. This is a guy who watched four years earlier the movie uh, Holy Grail and said, okay, they're dealing with a sensitive topic. I trust them wholeheartedly to do this properly. Here's some money. And apparently Holy Grail was funded by a bunch of musicians too. Oh, really? Hmm. I just saw that random fact the other day. Neat. I think the only other the only other fun one was apparently they there was a movie that was shot prior, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, and apparently they left a lot of the sets and like props and stuff there, so they utilized a majority of that to make this movie. <laughs> so it's is that nice. where they got all their crosses? I guess I, I don't know, but <laughs> like Jesus of Nazareth had an insane cross budget, so they uh, made 140 <laughs> of them, and Monty Python's like. Well, we got the finish of our movie. Pew, pew. <laughs> Although I think Jesus of Nazareth used uh, finished uh, wood, which is weird. Oh, I'm curious. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I It's hard to understand. So I, I understand the reference of the mindset going into the film because it's, it's clear that even though it is a film making fun of and poking at religion, they never really made fun of Jesus. They didn't really go off about it at all. And they didn't really try to. They make fun of misinterpretation. They make fun of organized religion and followers and things like that. But they never actually made fun of Jesus himself. So that that makes me more along the side of the fence that they knew what they were doing with the racial slurs as well, too, because they were just throwing it in to, to poke fun of how stupid it is. But I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I see both sides like Joe said. Yeah, And I can see what you're saying, too. Yeah. I mean, the easy way out. To do a religious satire is to let's just satirize the story of Jesus. Yeah, which they did for like five minutes entirely in the film. And they didn't even satirize it. No, no, no. Exactly. They didn't satirize the story of Jesus. I mean, basically right in the beginning, you had the five five minutes of Brian being born next door to the stable that Jesus was born in, which that's funny. And then, yeah, just a couple of overlaps, but that's really about it. I mean, nothing crazy about that personal story, so you can't really piss people off. You can piss people off for what they believe in, but not what they know to be the truth in their own minds of something that actually happened, because they didn't actually poke at any of that. Oh, that's a touchy subject. Thank you, movie. Unless there's something hidden in there that we wouldn't pick up on, that the whole conspiracy two groups fighting each other is actually a parody of something else, Jesus-wise. I can't, for the life of me, think of what it would be. Otherwise, it's just a plot advancement tool and uh, filler, I guess. 
Which is why it would feel boring, because it wasn't part of the original jokes. Jesus versus the merchants at the temple? <laughs> That's the only fight I know of, but the merchants at the temple didn't take out Jesus, so it doesn't quite match. Nah, he took out all their tables. They flipped that shit all over the place and said, Get out of my house. Or, sorry, my dad's house. Yeah, how dare you. Our dad's house. <laughs> Whatever. In the middle of the street. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you, Ken? Nice. How dare you? It wasn't Ken. It was Jesus who said it. Yeah. I was let down that there was really only one quotable line from this movie. I wanted there to be more lines that are quotable, but it really only comes down to. Uh, He's not the Messiah. He's just a very naughty boy. That's it. <laughs> yep. That's fair. That is absolutely fair. Well, that and the song at the end. Well, but it's a song. It's not a quote. Yeah. yeah, like if you think about other Mighty Python uh, avenues, not just Holy Grail, since uh, you got all sorts of quotes that you can go to. Leidner and Leiden Swallow. Uh, the, the Knights of St. Need. This is a dead parrot. Parrot, yes. The the uh, Bureau of Silly Walks. Like, everything. There's so many good quotable moments in Monty Python history. I'd like to have a good argument. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. yeah. I gotta break out that box set now. You're right. That's, uh, that possibly is maybe the problem i have with this movie is it it just doesn't give you any of those straight up quotable moments maybe a bomb but even that's kind of a hard one a lot of the things that you would think is quotable is just hard to do because i can't keep the judeo christian people's front i can't even think of the name i can't keep the name in my head (laughs) properly how am i supposed to stumble through that quote if i can't even get part of it right front i can't even start judea Okay, okay. I'm I'm going to call this out because I just did a quick Google search just to see if there is anything that we're missing. And yes, there are a couple of good quotable moments. At, okay. at the crucifixion site, hands up all those that don't want to be crucified here. That, yes. that is funny as hell. That was really it's good. It's funny, but who quotes that? Who says that well, outside I guess, of the I movie? guess it's not a quotable moment. You're right. Whatever, whatever. It's funny, yeah. The only other one that I saw that I, I guess it didn't hit me, and I, I'm laughing now looking at it, but uh, look, you've all got it wrong. You don't need to follow me. You don't need to follow anybody. You've got to think for yourselves. You're all individuals. And then the entire crowd chants at once, yes, we're all individuals. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, it's you don't hear people quoting this movie very often. You, you hear people quoting Monty Python and all its glory continuously, everything under the sun from that film. I've, I've even heard people say it's only a wafer-thin mint in response to being bloated and not wanted to eat another bite, but yeah. I... Fuck off. Couldn't eat yeah, another fuck bite. off. <laughs> I love that I want to see that scene. It's very hard to bring out in public scene, without making... It. Just go watch the scene. I'm sure it's out there in the YouTuber land. Go <sighs> oh, see some I, potatoes. I just remember the scene as a child being on TV. I don't even remember anything else about the movie. I just remember him vomiting all over the place while eating and then blowing up <laughs> God damn it, I need to see this again. That was an interesting movie. It had, it was definitely just a, uh, that one was de- definitely just sketch after sketch slapped together. There was no rhyme or reason to whatever it was doing. It was, it didn't try to be something it wasn't, the meaning of life. And that was 1983. They just did more sketches just in a longer format and they did it well. It was pretty funny. So has anyone's opinion changed about this movie over time? Nope. Movie's still shit. I expected more <laughs> and I'm sad now. I don't think my opinion's changed. It's it's funny, but it's not funny enough for me to come back often. 
Yep, I'm in the same boat as you, Joe. It's it's a fine movie for me. I I'd much rather watch other Monty Python things. Like I said, my group of high school mates, we all we all love Monty Python. We loved we loved the meaning of life. We loved the Holy Grail, and we're just like, well, let's let's do right. Let's let's go for a third. This will be great. And we got done, and it's just like, well, that's uh, it's two hours wasted. No, it's not See, two now, hours. My group of high school friends is that's where I first watched this, and. We had, I think we only watched it, I think, once because there's full frontal nudity in it. And we were good, clean, top grade students in high school who didn't do anything bad. Right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. 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 I mean, okay. <laughs> that's like uh, watch. That's like watching uh, heavy metal and, and not knowing what you're doing before going into that. So you didn't watch this movie because of that? I, I missed that part. I think we were all just surprised and we're like, oh, uh, that's awkward. That's a penis. You know, as far as Tastefully Done can go, it was a good payoff. He opens a window and everyone's standing out there and he's just on flagrante in front of all of his followers. And it's also kind of, if you want to be like uh, one of those uh, analytical weirdos, he's out there bearing everything to the people and they still want to follow him. And they still don't understand who he is. They're just looking at the surface. They're just looking at that uncircumcised penis being pinched back by a rubber band. Oof. Oof, indeed. (laughs) So does the film stand up? No. Stand up, hold up? Is it still relevant today? Hold up. Yeah, compared to movie... I mean, would someone coming in blind be just like, ugh, this is... One of them crappy old movies. Someone coming in blind to this movie would leave feeling they got hit by a truck. Or asleep. I mean, that's what I'm getting from everybody. Hell, I even was starting to fall asleep during it because I had so many animals laying on me and it was getting dark. I did not fall asleep during this movie. I was awake and I got to the end of the movie. I was like, that's it? This is this is where they're ending the movie. Really? And I had to wait for the credits to show up and then start showing the credits before I actually believed that this is, and I even sat there for a little bit longer. Like, are these fake credits? They're just gonna end with okay. And I sat there for I was like, I guess there was nowhere else to end this movie. I mean, it is the life of Brian. You get it from beginning to end. Yeah, you get his entire life, but it just it felt like a weird abrupt ending. I feel like the ending is probably my favorite part. It's just it felt natural to me. I don't know why. You want to talk weird abrupt endings? Holy Grail! The police come in and break it up. <laughs> that is. One of my favorite movie endings of all time. I, I love that ending. <laughs> I love that damn ending. Also a weird abrupt ending. But yeah, I, I think that technically, yeah, the movie is still just fine today. It doesn't do much to really date itself. Uh, I think it's something that people would look for if they're into Monty Python. I don't think that if you're not into Monty Python, that it's really worth going after. Fair? Fair. Yeah, that's yeah, fair. Yeah, 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 fair. If if you want to watch Monty Python, want to get into it, watch something else. If you want to deep dive into the Monty Python lore, you'll get to the life of Brian and you'll appreciate it when you get there. But there's a lot of other things that you should watch first, just so you can get an idea of what Monty Python is and is trying to accomplish, including a lot of the TV show, especially the TV show. You need to know how to defend yourself against fresh fruit. Or is it with fresh fruit? I think it's with fresh fruit. Even though I don't think that it was fruit, it might have been a vegetable. It was fruit. There's a banana. Against fresh fruit. Ha! Well, that was us trying not to haggle 
Hagel, Hagel, <laughs> with Life of Brian. Uh, you know what? I really have to rewrite this ending. <laughs> you keep saying that. It's every, it's every week, Joe. It's only been three months. It's fine. You'll get to it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. So next time, when we get together and talk movies, we will talk Coming to America, since the sequel is now out. So we'll come, we'll round back, talk about the original, and maybe talk a little bit about its sequel. They're both called Coming to America, just the new ones with the number two, which is silly. So, come back in two weeks when we rewind again. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>